The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Okay, let's return to our question of the day. How are you feeling? What's going on? If you were to talk about an overriding emotion right now, is it fear or is it greed? Let's ask that question now to Richard Clarida. Richard Clarida, PIMCO Global Economic Advisor and, of course, former Federal Reserve Vice Chair. Rich, great to see you. How are you feeling? Yeah. What's the overriding emotion right now, fear or greed? Well, let me talk about the market. Uh, I, I, I think there's certainly an element of, uh, of fear, uh, and as always, uh, there's, there's greed. I think it's important, as you're thinking about this sell-off, I think there are four potential uh, factors. As always, there's the Fed, there's the macro uh, data, uh, there is, uh, is fiscal, potentially, uh, and there are technicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of this sell-off, really, since the Fed, has really not been on Fed news. I think it's been a reflection of, of, uh, of concerns about fiscal, a higher term premium, and of course fiscal dysfunction in Washington never never ceases to disappoint. No. So I think there's a lot going on here. Um, does this mean a higher neutral rate, Rich, and sort of the echoes of that? Well, it, it could, Alex. I think at PIMCO, we try to distinguish between like a neutral bond yield on a 10-year uh, and the neutral federal funds rate. We do think we're going to be in a world eventually of steeper uh, yield curves, but there's no doubt that in a world where government debt's north of 100% of GDP and we really do not have a, an, a, a consistent fiscal policy in the U.S., we're going to probably be in a world of, of steeper curves for sure. Um, the neutral rate... Always, always interesting to try and see it with hindsight. Um, yeah. Rich, what we can certainly observe right now is a, is a very fast move. Do you think the Fed's going to be comfortable with the speed of the move that we're seeing in the bond market? Well, so far, you know, Fed officials have had a chance uh, at various appearances, uh, and they've not really taken that opportunity to push back uh, against this. Um, my own sense is that to the extent this move really does reflect uh, higher bond yields because of so much Treasury uh, issuance, uh, it's not something the Fed would necessarily want to lean against. You know, it actually does some of the Fed's job uh, mm-hmm. uh, for it. But obviously, if moves get extreme or persistent, it could get the Fed uh, engaged. But we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I think Alan Ruskin of Deutsche Bank was saying that the recent 75 bips in the 10-year is like 150 bips worth of tightening for the Fed. So, okay not the worst thing in the world. What looks unruly? Like, what, it, what would worry Rich if you were still at the Fed? <laughs> Good question. You know, what I'd be looking at, Alex and Guy, is I'd be looking at the extent to which this sell-off reflects a big move up in inflation expectations. You know, the Powell Fed wants to anchor inflation expectations. So far, most of the move has been in real rates, not in inflation. But, but if I were still back at the, uh, at the Eccles or the Martin uh, building, I'd be looking to see that the Fed's credibility is still uh, in place, which currently it, currently it is. Hmm. Yeah, the Fed would certainly like to maintain its credibility. And if things get disorderly, maybe it would have the opportunity to step in. Rich, do you have any idea, do you have any clarity on what the current strike price of the Fed put is? Were things (laughs) to get disorderly? 
Well, uh, I think that's a tricky uh, concept in general of the Fed put. What, what I do think we do know, uh, Guy and Alex, um, is you know the Fed understands that the liquidity of the Treasury market is essential to achieving uh, its mission. And, and certainly in my time at the Fed, we had disruptions in, for example, in the repo markets in 2019. So there can be sufficient or significant disruptions where the Fed sets in. We saw from the Bank of England uh, exactly a year ago. But I don't know. I don't have a particular uh, level uh, that uh, that I would mention right now. Do you think that the bond market is functioning well? I mean, we talk about liquidity risks, the hedge fund basis trade, like all that stuff. I, yeah. Is the bond market giving us a real read, or are there just a lot of distortions, and what do we do with that? Alex, a good point, because I, I alluded to that a moment ago. I do think there are market technicals at play here. Essentially, what I mean by market technicals, tendencies for prices to move or overshoot in response to fundamental uh, uh, news. You know, For example, I'll give you a good you know, example. Just intraday, if you look at your Bloomberg screen, you'll see that yield on the 10-year Treasury moved up about 15 basis points and then moved down roughly that amount on the ADP data. So th those are very big, big moves in response to, you know, one, one report. So that's yeah. telling me that there is a technical element here. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you've also alluded to the fact that, that the Fed's probably comfortable with what it's saying. To a certain extent, this is doing the job that the Fed may need to do further down the road. Rich, do you still believe that the Fed has further to go? I'm wondering what the right question to ask is right now. Is it still how high do they go or is it still... Or is it now, how long do they stay there? And I'm just, it, it's that kind of, are, are, we at the, are, are we at the top of the Matterhorn or are we at the top of Table Mountain? Where, if you were to pick a mountain, where are we? Yeah, well, if you had asked me this a month ago, uh, and I think I was on Bloomberg Air around that time, I was in the camp going into the September meeting uh, that we would, we, would, we would likely get one more hike uh, in this cycle, if really just for, for precautionary uh, reasons. And certainly the dots uh, at the September meeting had 12 of the 19 participants indicating one more hike. I'm less of that view now. I think given that, as I said, the bond market can do some of the Fed's job for it, you know, if even some of this recent increase uh, were to stick, I think the Fed could well, could well be done. If the Fed is done, first of all, thank you for bringing news with us. We appreciate it. If the Fed <laughs> is done, what about 2024? Um, it, it looked like the dots were looking at two cuts. Do you see that being real? Alex, the interesting and guy, the thing about about market pricing is that it's reflecting, you know, a weighted probability, weighted average of a lot of scenarios. Um, you know, two cuts looks about right uh, to me, but I mean, I think there's a certainly a chance that we don't get any cuts next year. Or conversely, if inflation falls more rapidly than than I and the Fed expect, they could be cutting more. So I I think. The way to look at those numbers is that they're averaging across a range of outcomes, yep. but that doesn't look unrealistic to me. I, what I will say is back in May when the markets were pricing in six cuts, including starting this year, I thought that that was out of, out of, uh, out of line with Fed reality. Okay. But no, right now. Where, where, where do you, Rich, when we get into a, a rate cutting cycle, what does that cycle look like, do you think? How low do we go? Catherine Mann was talking the other day. She was talking about rates being permanently higher. Yeah. Do you agree with her? 
Well, I think in the case of the UK, um, and a good, my good friend Catherine Mann's done a great job there, I, th I think that is right, because remember, they barely got rates above zero before the pandemic. During my time at the Fed, uh, we got the funds rate all the way up to 2.5%. Um, um, what, what I do think, however, is you know central banks do have some room to cut uh, now, and, and so they're further away from the zero bound. Um, but I do, not to sound boring, but I think that's going to, I think central banks are going to be data dependent. But I think an important difference in this cycle, leaning in Catherine's direction, is this is the first rate hike cycle, at least in the U.S., uh, in 40 years in which the goal of policy has been to reduce inflation, not just to keep inflation from going up. So I think there probably will be something of a bias uh, in, this, in this cycle uh, as well. Oh, that's interesting. And that also goes back to the neutral rate, right? And that's oh, yeah. still definitely um, unclear on that on that sense. So, Rich, I'm just wondering then what you think about the labor market. Um, do we like what happens if we get a super hot number on Friday? What happens if we get a nice cool number? Like what? How are you thinking no. about it? Well, there's no doubt that that the Fed uh, uh, wants the labor market to uh, to slow. Uh, it's hoping it can engineer that soft landing. Uh, but uh, but 180, 200,000 jobs a month is probably about 100,000 more than the economy uh, can can sustain without upward pressure on, on wages. So uh, I think that, that uh, our analysis indicates that we're going to continue to see a slowdown in gains in payroll uh, growth. You know, if it would be interesting tomorrow if, if for a change the ADP report is indicating uh, something. <laughs> if we got an 80K print uh, tomorrow, um, you know, that would certainly be um, you know, downshifting into the range the Fed thinks is is consistent. But I do think that the Fed is looking not just at the price inflation data, but also wage and compensation uh, costs. They're still running hot relative to the Fed's long-run inflation uh, target. Yeah, the ISM services uh, data certainly pointing us in that direction. Uh, we got that at the uh, yeah. uh, at the uh, the top of last hour. So, Rich, pull it all together for me. Jamie Dimon's warning of the risk of potentially going to 7% on the 10-year. We've got others making similar noises. Some are even saying higher. What do you think, what kind of trajectory are we currently on? Do I want to be buying the 10-year at this point? Do you think there's going to be a better entry point further down the road? Well, what I'd say about that is we, we, we think that we're in a world, and we've said this in our, in our publications, um, that we do think the Fed has credibility. It will get inflation to two. And, and starting yields for patient investors uh, are uh, attractive. There are a lot of opportunities in the bond market and spread and mortgages and, and globally. Uh, so you know, I wouldn't necessarily highlight just an interest rate uh, uh, level at, at this point. Uh, but yes, the, the bond market is adjusting, as I said, to technicals, to macro data. Uh, to fiscal dysfunction, um, and prices will find a level, you know, consistent with that data. Rich, always going to get your perspective. Next time, with me in studio. We miss okay. you in person. Rich Clarida, PIMCO Global Economic Advisor and former Federal Reserve Vice Chair. Great to get your perspective. I always learn a lot. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.